I wonder one way of uh, uh, seeing the Hadhad is as uh, in a way the quintessential revolutionary figure no? of like arrives doesn't exist within the framework of existing categories that would allow for his or its rather representations to uh, affect that system no so you know the thing doesn't speak but it moves in a way that the characters can't understand and it generates reactions in them that they can't understand so one way i think that the movie is really in a way successful at pointing out the paradoxes that you're talking about between order yeah whether it's political order social order uh um filmic order and the possibility of change is through this character that um essentially disrupts the existing epistemologies is it a human is it a thing is it a animal is it an alien does it speak and so this notion of translation becomes really important because who is who is translating this thing who gets to translate it does it does it get to speak for itself mm. and i think it's quite revealing and at the end the last scene is actually the had had and i if i remember correctly the last uh, statement of the of of the music of the of the song is i have it written here don't imagine our form is the last the conclusions we draw are built from the past which to me was like whoa really mind blowing uh final kind of comment uh because you when you say don't imagine our form is the last is it's our political form it's our it's our bodily form it's our a social form that's how i interpret it anyway it's also a filmic form maybe and uh and then this connection between those forms and the fact that those forms determine the conclusions that the way that we look at previous forms and the way we can imagine new forms right so i don't know i suppose that cynicism is one way to look at it and uh particularly i can understand your cynicism right now with the pandemic and coronavirus covid-19 and the way that the uninvited visitor which in our moment is this virus met by uh you know proto fascist leadership in, in so many different countries uh does arouse a cynical response and a, and a kind of uh response of 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 you know despair in some cases but on the other hand i think that it could also be seen in your movie as a kind of as a, the virus is a kind of positive as something that allows for change for radical change not just any, not liberal change not li not change within the existing accepted categories but new categories and i find that really hopeful actually and really exciting yeah well i think it's i guess to yeah return to this point that the dilemma the dilemma um persists um but the but likewise the way out also also persists um i feel like i wanted to just make an acknowledgement of of the the comment you made about the the kind of the bodily form of 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 had had because it occurs to me also that i think there may be um some element of this liberal fantasy of um the uh, being liberated by the other you know this is the kind of like that the which is the the sort of like exoticization um and the enchantment of of this kind of the other which is 
you know, it's like it's it's connected to the oppressive um, regimes of past liberalism, where you know, which is it's entirely dis it's disgusting, and yet we we live with it. I mean, and I can't say for a certain that I don't. You know, you I mean it's by fact of my of who I am. I I have that with me. Um, so that was certainly not a conscious decision to um i was more consciously trying to draw a connection to the um to our um connection to to, to the evolutionary um past but i think that i guess i'm making that making that comment now because i think there's there's something to say about the the radical change that that we might find and i think i i'm kind of a bit of a um I sort of would draw from psychoanalysis in a way, and that's not very popular anymore. But um, this, uh, well, drawing from Zizek, who combined psychoanalysis with with uh, ideological crit critique to say that really the most important step to begin is always a ruthless self critique, um, and that's something that I'm. Would, that I sort of continued to live with, and to, that's the kind of like uh, the view that I would look out on these on these kinds of um, these events that are that are taking place right now. But yeah, I do think that it's a um, it's like a it remains it's a yeah it remains a dilemma. I think it's like you you act, but you're but you're um, but you are amputated at the same time. So, um, would would you would would you be comfortable telling us a little bit about your new project? Because I know that uh, some of these questions, you know, you've continued to be thinking about them. Questions about liberalism, questions about ex exoticization that you just mentioned of the other, and kind of. Um, engaging with the reality of a of a very fractured world uh where these kind of uh, modes of oppression don't just persist but are kind of on the rise in a massive way uh, would you be willing to share a little bit with us yeah. how you're thinking not that you resolved it because i think part of the uh big in a way takeaway from our conversation for me certainly is the kind of privilege that art offers to not have to resolve these questions, mm -hmm. the privilege and the kind of joy and the kind of uh, excitement in in in, uh, in in being able to pose questions rather than answer them, right? So not that you'd resolved it, but um, yeah, what what where is it going for you? Yeah, well, I think with the with the new work, which I sort of hesitate to call new because it's like. I would not be surprised. I mean, I'd be amazed if people have continued watching this video interview up until this point, because not that I think it's uninteresting. I'm fascinated and I'm, and I'm really enjoying the conversation, but it's like, I would, would not be surprised if people had thought that I'd maybe fallen off the face of the artistic universe. Um, cause I've been writing a script for eight years now. Um, somehow managing to continue to like muster, Muster the uh, I don't know motivation to to keep writing, um, but the lens I'm definitely focusing the lens more, even more acutely on 
on what I think is the kind of the the kind of uh, the fundamental schism in liberalism, which is maybe also now. I mean, writing a script for eight years, you know, you have a lot of questions of of relevance that you ask yourself um, as things change. It's like, well, shit, is this whole thing? Is there any point in even doing this anymore? Because I think that the the crisis of liberalism is pretty well pronounced now. Um, but the, I guess the point of the new work is to, well, there's a plot. I guess I'll quickly say the plot is that there's this group of um, political agitators who are um, seeking to um, establish a utopia and, um, and they, they are, you know, also similarly obsessed with this kind of like rational, like analytical um, way of being. But they also now desire is a little bit more um, pronounced in the movie. Um, and they're kind of uh, constantly making declarations about what who they are and what they want to do um, in, in the manner that politicians would do. Um, and then they encounter, uh, they kind of, they they are seeking to acquire capital, more capital than what they already have, uh, in order to establish this utopia. And along the way, a um, this kind of act of violence occurs. And then the movie is just about um, basically punishing them <laughs> for for this transgression. Um, and the point I think is, in a way, to to sort of um, unmask the this racism and uh and oppression that that we that we live with and and i think it's a con contradiction because because of this this kind of um uh double-sided um nature of of the liberal ideology so on the one hand you have market liberalism and then on the other hand you have political liberalism but they're intertwined and so you have you know it's like um uh, you're free to do what you want and to to um, to live this uh, the life that you choose, but you have to do it within um, within a market economy that essentially has no no compassion or humanity about it. Um, and you know, there's kind of companion ideals which are to care about other people and to care to have compassion for for others. But at the same time, you have to compete for resources. Uh, so, yeah, and I think that that is, I, I think that it could still be a relevant work um, because the screws are getting tightened so much now and these, the kind of middle ground is, is just bottoming out from, from industries, um, in income brackets um and so that kind of sense of like well i'm supposed to care about other people but really i just care about myself uh i think that's just getting worse and worse and um do you think that the the pandemic the current pandemic has in a way exposed um uh, the kind of fallacy of that model of the kind of pure market economy, like everyone for themselves, given that it's a 
you know, global crisis that clearly requires cooperation, right? We're not going to, no individual individually is going to get away, you know, uh, with it um, unless they have, you know, disproportionate amount of power or whatever. So that's happening, right? We know that's happening. But the vast majority of people are going to have to cooperate no, through institutions and with each other and through politics in ways that the market economy itself would never do because it's anti it, it pre prevents the accumulation of capital. No? So I wonder if in some way your new movie is uh, more hopeful in that sense. Uh, and also it seems like it's dealing also more specifically, more explicitly with the, the fact that that uh, dimension of, of collective existence is always very racialized because the people who do the collective work of supplying us with food, caring for us, you know, historically and continue to be so, are uh, people of color and women. And so the racialized and gendered quality of this, uh, you know, system is coming to the fore more than ever right now. And I wonder if your new movie, um, I know that it was picking up on some of these themes, but do you feel like the pandemic is helping in a way, it's kind of setting the stage even more clearly, like you said, uh, tightening the screws to make this even more evident. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, and yet, I, I, do, I do agree. And yet there's, again, this kind of, um, the necessity to resist cynicism is just, I feel is so profound at the moment because we've kind of gone through all of this already with 2007, 2008, you know, that was already supposed to have um, exposed all of this, uh, this kind of the, the brutality of the, of the market system. And it certainly, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, that's, that's in our lifetime. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of uh, the kind of grotesque inner workings of, of, um, of financial capital are sort of periodically exposing themselves. Um, but I think it is, it, I mean, you can, of course, there's many different ways to kind of like analyze this problem, but I think it has a lot to do with, um, with people like Joe Biden, for example, or, uh, or even Barack Obama, as much as he is a very special case because he has this kind of like, um, this kind of great achievement about him for being the first black president. Um, but also, you know, people, I mean, really the, 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 the main culprits, you could say, uh, the, it's like Reagan, Thatcher, and then Blair Clinton. Um, you know, I mean, these, these people preside, these, uh, well, Reagan and Thatcher weren't liberals, of course, but, you know, Blair and Clinton, I mean, they were from the, the, the liberal parties. And, you know, arguably, they're the ones who kind of, uh, you know, Clinton removed all of these regulations. I mean, the 90s were a great time if you were wealthy. Um, and the 2000s and 2010s continue to be a good time if you're, if you're wealthy. So, um, sorry, I've gone off on a train of thought here and I don't quite know why. I think it's because I, I'm wanting to say that it's like liberals in power are, are the ones who de deserve the most scrutiny. Um, you know, they're, they're the ones who went along with, they're, they're the enablers, I think. Uh, you know, they're the ones who kind of took the shackles off um, and, 
of course, analytically, we could go back even further, but I guess it's to say that, you know, now we're, we're back at this choice where it's like, well, well, I say we as a, I'm not actually a citizen, but um, I say we because I'm living in, in this country and it's like we're now presented with this choice in November when, again, it's like the lesser of two evils. And I think that liberalism will always do that, you know, because the power structure will, will always seek to, to regenerate itself. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I hope, it, I hope the movie, uh, once it is eventually <laughs> shot and, and edited, uh, I hope it would still have some, some resonance. Absolutely. I think that one of the most amazing things about your work, Sean, is uh, how you're able to have these very, um, you know, macro level uh, preoccupations and concerns, you know, with politics and philosophy and language and society. And yet you're able to bring them down to earth with characters and with plot lines and with, uh, you know, music and cinematography. And, and that's just the real gift uh, for all of us. So I eagerly awaiting the the new one thank you so thank much you. for talking with us sean thank you so much <laughs> <laughs>